you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. And uh, before we get started, I'm going to get a sip of water. Proverbs chapter 14. And today, right from the outset, I want to let you know that I want to talk to you about the real threat that we face, the real threat that we face uh, this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, look with me. We're going to zero right in on one verse of Scripture, and then we're going to take off from there. We're living in some crazy times, are we not? (laughs) It's crazy. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Notice again, righteousness exalteth a nation. Hello. But sin is a reproach to any people. I think it's pretty easy to see what the real threat that we face is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to meet together. Lord, I pray that you will bless our time in your word. That, Lord, that we will, they will, we will kind of pave the way and clear out the clutter. That we will not seek to, to, um, to misunderstand the message, but, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to understand the message of the day. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for whatever you'll do. For it's in the precious name of Jesus that we do pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking to you on some different topics, and I think that they're really going to be an encouragement to you, but I'm coming out of the gate uh, probably with a message like I have never preached before. In fact, I've never preached a message like this before in my life, and uh, I pray that you will understand and that it'll be a blessing to you at the end of the day. You know, as we prepare our hearts and our minds, and some of you say, well, I've already voted. Well, as we prepare to vote locally for local positions, state positions, and national positions for national, local, and state leaders, it seems like all that we hear about are the threats that we face. This threat, that threat, threats are everywhere. From this person or that person, we're told that if you vote this way, this is going to happen, and we're told that if you vote that way, that's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but maybe you've seen a few of these. Anybody ever seen something like this in your mailbox? Anybody? Am I the only one that they're targeting? Am I not? Thanks, Stephanie. I'm not the only one? Okay. I'm not the only one. This guy right here can't be trusted. This guy's going to drain senior citizens. He's going to drain your Social Security. This guy, I mean, come on. This guy, with chaos in the streets, he's going to make things worse. Um, This guy is jeopardizing not only Social Security, but now he's the the evil Grinch that stole Christmas. He's going to put your retirement at risk and your Medicare benefits. So we don't like him. This guy also, even Joe Biden doesn't trust this guy's health plan. Uh, This guy is going to deny your coverage. If you have a pre-existing condition, he's going to deny your coverage. 
Now is not the time to do that. And so all I see in my mailbox is threat after threat. You know what? I would like for one time somebody to send me something that says, Mike Smith is a wonderful man. He would make a great councilman or he'd make a great senator, right? I mean, why? Every... I got a question for the political pundits. You know what political comes from? The word politics, right? Poly meaning many, ticks meaning blood-sucking leeches. But anyway, that's a... Sorry. That's not, that's not in my message. That's not even in my notes. But anyway, okay. All right. I, I, I thought we needed a little laughter. I, you're going to need some laughter, so hold on to that joke. That's probably the only one you're going to get. So I would love it. By the way, do, do the political pundits think that these work? Because you know what they do? You know what I do when I see my mailbox? Other than keeping these for this message that I've been praying about for a few weeks, I don't even read it. I literally don't even read it. So if we're concerned about the environment, why are we killing trees to send this out to me? Sorry, sorry. Hold on, babe. I'm only three minutes into this thing. I need more water. Mm. Now, let me just say this. Before you get too uncomfortable, before you walk out, before you who are online turn off the live stream and say, I'm done. He, he showed a political ad. I'm done. All right? Before you do that, I want you to know that I'm not going to tell you who I'm voting for. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but you better vote. You better vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I'm going to encourage you to vote. I'm going to encourage you to actually know the facts about somebody you're voting for, not just how good they look or how bad they look. I'm going to actually encourage you not to be swayed by public opinion, by flyers, by the media, or by anybody else. I'm going to actually encourage you to vote biblical values. Notice. Our verse says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. This is and not, by the way, this is not a political message. It is not a political message. I will not, again, I will not share what I think about uh, everything unless you come to me privately and ask me. But I have an obligation to share God's word with you. It is my duty as the pastor of this church. It is my duty as the under-shepherd of this church to share what God's word actually has to say. And do you know that God is pretty concerned with the lack of righteousness that is running rampant in our country today? He's pretty concerned about it. I want you to vote biblical values and I pray that this is an eye and heart opening message. Now, I disagree with this guy that I'm going to quote with. I'm going to quote this next gentleman. I disagree on some of his theology. But notice what he said in regards to what we're talking about. His name was Reverend Charles Grandison Finney. He was a one-time leader of the Underground Railroad. If you don't know what the Underground Railroad is, you might want to check it out. But he was a one-time leader on the Underground Railroad. He said the church must take right ground in regard to politics. Part of politics are a part of religion in such a country as this 
and Christians must do their duty to the country as part of their duty to God. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. Now, like I said, I may disagree with him on some things, but I think he says some things that are valid here. And whether you agree or disagree with his thoughts there on that one statement, I want you to hang with me as we make our way through the message that the Lord really... By the way, the Lord had to lay this on my heart because there's no way I would have preached this message without it. I tell people all the time, when I teach, when I preach, when I counsel, I tell people all the time, in fact, people who struggle with any type of problem, they come to me for counseling, I tell them to take index cards and to write out, not just write the verse, but to write out on it Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8, and it's good for use. Notice what Philippians 4.8 says. The Bible says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. What? Mark these words down. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Notice it goes on. It says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, keyword, think on these things. The problem, my friends, is that we cannot think on what's true or what is truth if we don't know truth. How are we going to think on what's honest? How are we going to think on what's true if we don't know what truth is? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning. Listen, Jesus Christ is truth. Isn't that what He said? He said, I am what? In John 14, 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 17, 17, He was praying to His Father. And you know, He said, sanctify them through Thy truth. He said, sanctify them. Through thy truth, he was praying for his disciples, but he was also praying for those of us that would follow. And he says, sanctify them with thy truth. He said, thy word is truth. In Psalm 19, aside from declaring God's glory, it was King David in verse number 9. He said these words. He said, he said the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now that word judgments or judgment actually means verdict, a formal decree, or the law. In other words, when he uses the word judgments, David's talking about God's word. He's talking about the word of God. He goes on. In fact, in that passage, he goes on in verses 10 and 11 by talking about God's judgment. Notice what he says. He says, they're more to be desired are they than gold Yea, then much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Watch out verse 11. It's really good. He says, moreover, by them, by, your, by God's judgments, by God's word, by God's decree, by God's law, moreover, by them is thy servant warned. If you were here Wednesday night, I talked about warn the unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, but be patient towards all men. We could use a big dose of patience in our country today. Hello? Even some of us, such as some of us, we could use that. It says that. It says, moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who likes to be rewarded? When I was a kid, I loved to be rewarded for doing a good job, right? Whether I was told to clean the baseboards. When you're only about this tall, and uh, years ago they had this episode on the Cosby Show, 
and uh, the little girl, she was only this tall, and so they set the parameter for her cleaning of the house from here and below. And uh, we used to do that when we were uh, out in Missouri, and, and many of you know, until he was about a junior in high school, Casey was about this tall. And then all of a sudden, one year, he went, and, and so what we did was when we had clean, Colby had to clean from here up, and Casey had to clean from here down. That kid was the fastest baseboard cleaner I've ever seen in my life. That kid could clean baseboards like nobody's business. Man, I wish he was still this small. <laughs> baseboards would be cleaned. Oh, listen, God wants us to follow what his word has to say. He says, and when we do so, there is great reward. We always made it a point of rewarding our boys if they did a good job. Oh, God is no different. It was the Irish statesman and philosopher, a gentleman by the name of Edmund Burke. You may have heard of Edmund Burke. He actually said this. He said, whatsoever is morally wrong cannot be politically correct. He's the same guy who went on to say that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Some of you have heard that statement before. Oh, my friends... I just want to encourage you, it's October the 11th. And I don't care if it's a voting year or a non-voting year. In fact, I, I'm, I really like those years when I don't have to worry about voting. But it seems like every year I'm voting on something, right? I even vote on stuff in my own house. Did you know that? I don't ever win, but I get to vote on those things in my own house. I mean, listen, uh, my wife has veto power. and so, But I still get a vote, praise the Lord. Listen, I still get a vote. It's crazy to me that even in an election cycle, I see less and less of God's word. I see less and less of people in prayer and more and more of people screaming at one another. Do not let this world fool you. God is in control, but he also wants us to be in his word and he wants us to be on our knees. Look back in verse four, in, uh, Proverbs 14. At our opening text, righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The righteousness that is actually being spoken of here in this verse is speaking of rightness. It's speaking of rectitude. It's speaking of justice and virtue. So let me ask you, Battlefield Baptist Church, those who are watching online, let me ask you, what are some of the issues of righteousness that are swirling around us today? Anybody? You think about the issues of righteousness that are swirling around. What seems to be festering in this nation? I can tell you there are huge issues. Issues of life. Issues of faith. Issues about marriage. Issues concerning property. I was watching on TV where now uh, people are like encroaching on personal property and are basically setting up their camps on somebody else's property to, to whatever it is, protest or riot or whatever is going on. Listen, God's con did you know God has something to say about property in his word? You're like, what? I didn't even know that. That's why we have to be in God's word. You know, God, uh, there's issues of, uh, guess what? It's getting ready to start tomorrow if you've had your head in the sand. Uh, issues of judges. And you know God's concerned about it. Did you know that God's also concerned about how we view Israel? You may not like Israel, you may not love Israel, but guess what God does? He's concerned about it. And so we have to open up our eyes. Interestingly enough, I was 
I was actually at a pastor's meeting, and I was reading uh, the beginning of the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 1, I was telling folks on Wednesday night about this. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah 1. I want you to see it for yourself. And when I started reading Isaiah chapter 1, it was like, it was like a baseball bat hitting me in the face again. It was like, oh my gosh, this is literally like looking at our country. Like, like a, it's like looking in a mirror and seeing the United States of America today. And I understand, I don't want to do a disservice to the context of Scripture, but I want you to see what Isaiah chapter 1 says. Look in verse number 4. In verse number 4, uh, first of all, we see that God reveals that Ju Judah is forsaken the Lord. This is what's taking place. Judah has already forsaken the Lord. But in verse number 4, which, by the way, sounds familiar, verse 4, he describes him by saying this. He says, they were a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. This sounds like America. I'm like, I started reading. I'm like, what? Sinful nation. People laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. He's saying that they had forsaken the Lord. This is what God's saying to them. And then notice, by the way, keep throughout this message, keep it in your mind. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so I kept on reading in Isaiah chapter 1. Drop down with me. Look at verse 16. See, because up to this point, God says he's hated their sacrifices. He tells them, I think it's in verse number 14 or 15, he says that their hands are full of blood. And then you get to verse number 16. He goes on by saying this. He says, wash you. Like you ever have a grandmother that used to, I don't know, when I was a kid, we took what is referred to in old school as a sink bath. Or a bath in a basin. Man, that was the worst. I mean, I, I, I was like, please, could I, could I just take a real bath? No, that's too much water. You're wasting water. And so they would fill up this basin with water. And you know, when you're the number four son, you know that water's been through three guys before I get there. No wonder my grandma said I had dirt behind my ears. <laughs> I'm just teasing. God says, wash you. Look at verse 16, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Hello, America, cease from evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Where is that? Where is that? Keep reading. He says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And everybody knows that verse, verse 18. They shall be red like crimson, uh, and they shall be as wool. But look at verse number 19. He says, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and you rebel, please don't take it out of context, but there are principles to be gained from God's word. If you refuse and you rebel, you should be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Keep reading, verse 21. How is the faithful city become a harlot? This is what God is saying. He says, how? How is this faithful city become a harlot? He said, it was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it. 
You see, there was a time when righteousness was in the land. There was a time when it was referred to as the faithful city. He said, but now, he says, they're full of murderers. Look at the end of verse 21. He says, thy silver has become dross or refuse or refuse. He says, become dross. He says, the wine mixed with water, the princes are rebellious and companions of thieves, everyone that loveth gifts and follow after rewards. The judge, they judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel. Notice what he says. He says, I will ease me of mine adversary and avenge me of my enemies. He said, guess what? I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Now watch. He goes on, verse 25, and I will turn. Can I tell you something? If David said in Psalm 32 that when he did not uh, confess his sinfulness, that he said that God's hand was heavy on him. I don't know about you. I don't need the heavy hand of God on top of me. And, and notice here, it says here in verse 25, and I will turn my hand upon thee. You know God's got a mighty big hand. He says, I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away thy tin. Notice what he's going to do in verse 26. God's concerned with judges. He was concerned with them back in Israel of old. He says, I will restore thy judges as at the first and thy counselors as at the beginning. He says, why am I going to do it? Why? I always tell people when you see a colon in Scripture, ask the question why. So he says, this is what I'm going to do. Circle it and say why. Because God says afterward. He says, after I restore judges, after I return to counselors as it was at the beginning, he says, guess what? Thou shalt be called a city of righteousness, the faithful city. Remember, you were a faithful city. He says, I'm going to return things and you're going to be a faithful city again. Now we're still waiting for that. Before going on, I want to remind us all that issues concerning life and death, issues concerning marriage, property rights, judges in Israel are all incredibly important to God. Hey, by the way, they're important to God no matter what I say, no matter what you say, no matter what the world says. I can either believe it or I can reject it, but it's important to God. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true, but every man a liar. We got to get back to the book. We got to get back on our knees. This country, and you say, well, hey, you're preaching the choir. Yes, Jesus had uh, just a few, couple of handfuls of disciples, and he sent them out into the world at that time, and they turned the world upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just think what we could do if we were all committed to turning the world upside down with the gospel. Look again at verse number 26. He says, and I will restore thy judges as at the first and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, thou shalt be called the city of righteousness and the faithful city. And again, I don't want to do a disservice to the text, but God was actually saying that judges can actually impact the righteousness of a land. Oh, by the way, when we think about judges in the context of the here and now, 2020, I'm, I'm a little bit older than the average bear. And guess what? It was judges who determined to ban Bibles from the schools. It was judges who determined there could be no more prayer at football games or baseball games or wrestling matches or whatever. You remember these coaches are getting hung up 
because they lead the team in the Lord's Prayer, they actually say a prayer over their team. Nope, you can't do that anymore. You lose your job, lose your livelihood. Kicked out. Don't You can't do that. Right, coach? You'll be in trouble. You do it anyway, I know. <laughs> Camera, please do not pan on this woman. She will lose her job. It was judges. Hold with me. It's going to get real quiet. It was judges who dictated that the life of an unborn can be ended. Even after birth, they're talking about now. We have a governor who says, you can have a child, and then we'll just kind of look and make the child comfortable and the mom comfortable, and then we'll determine what we're going to do. Are we kidding ourselves? It was judges who are now decreeing present-day issues of sexuality. Have you heard about what's going on in California with pedophilia laws? This is crazy, folks. And we wonder what's going on in the United States of America. And I'll be honest with you. If things wax worse, and they wax worse, and they wax worse, and we lose control because we didn't stand up and do what was right, guess what? You're all going to find yourself down at Battlefield Baptist Church in Aruba with me. And I know a couple of you would like to go there anyway. <laughs> Psalm 2. You say, oh, you're a little bit offbeat today, Pastor. Psalm 2. Watch what God's Word says in verse number 10 and 11. And I won't even read verse 12. You can do that on your own. But in verse 10 and 11, here's what it says. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings. And then he goes on. It says, be ye instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. This is speaking of those who administer justice then, and it has reference to those who administer justice now, pronounce sentences. Whether those justices or judges vindicate, whether they uh, punish, whether they govern in some way, as I've already given you a couple of examples, it is important to God. He says, serve the Lord with fear. Whether a judge knows Jesus Christ as his or her Savior is not it is important, but it's not the key. The key is that they actually understand that God is in control. I'm not saying, although I'd love to see, even as Paul said, his heart's desire was that all Israel would be saved. I'd love to see every judge and every justice saved. But they better have a reliance and a recognition and a reverence that there is a God and that they are not God. They actually serve God. They don't serve a country and they don't serve you and they don't serve me. They actually, if we really want to get biblical on judges, they actually serve God. But we've forgotten these things. We've given way to these things. In 2 Chronicles 19, 6 and 7, the Bible reminds us that judges are to represent God. In Ezra 7, 25, the Bible speaks about setting up judges who actually, watch this, that actually know the truth. Sadly, it was the late Billy Graham whether you love him or don't, it was the late Billy Graham who said, if God doesn't judge America, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah on the judgment day. We better wake up. God's word has a lot to say about the role of judges. Over in Genesis chapter 12, I was thinking about this too. While I'm on the topic of judges and the idea of Israel and everything, I was thinking about in Genesis chapter 12, you remember how God calls Abraham, Abram at the time, and he sends him out into a land. He says, get thee, in verse number one, watch this. The Lord says unto Abram, he says, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. 
And I will make thee a great nation and will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And notice verse 3. He says, and I will bless them that bless thee and I will do what? Curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Listen, this is all about nations that honor Israel. Let me ask a fundamental question because I said something but I didn't really get a response a minute ago. I referenced Romans chapter 3 and verse 4. Does God lie? Do you, does someone in this room believe that God's a liar? Because God's word over and over says that he's not a liar. In fact, in Numbers 23, in verse number 19, the Bible de declares that God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. goes on and says, Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken it and shall he not make it good? If you go to Titus, in Titus chapter 1, in verse number 2, the Bible tells us that God cannot lie. Either God means what he says or he doesn't. And see, the, our view, and that's why I recommend you having a biblical worldview, our view is extremely important on what God has to say. Turn with me to Psalm 105 for just a second. Psalm 105. And as you're turning to Psalm 105, you'll notice, and you can read this on your own time, beginning in verse number 1 and following, you can see the psalmist says, Give thanks unto the Lord. In verse 2, sing unto him, sing psalms to him, talk ye of his wondrous works. Verse 3, glory ye in his holy name. In verse 4, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face forevermore. Verse 5, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. But I want you to notice what he says in verse 8 in reference to whether God lies or not. Because in verse number 8, the Bible says, he hath remembered his covenant, how long? He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand, that's a lot, generations. By the way, we're not there yet. We're not there. We, we haven't reached a thousand generations, and we haven't reached forever yet. And it says here, he hath remembered his covenant forever. See, this covenant that's speaking here, in fact, if you look, you're right there. Look at verse number nine. Actually, verse number nine tells us that the covenant here is referring to the compact or the promise that God made with Abraham and through him and the Hebrew people. He says, those that bless you, I will bless. Those that curse you, I will curse. Guys, <laughs> I'm not the president, I'm not a senator, I'm not a governor. Uh, I'm not really anything except for a servant and a husband and a father. But God's pretty concerned about these things. We had better wake up. Or these things, including this right here, is going to be taken. So you better be getting into Psalm 119 because the psalmist says in Psalm 119 and Psalm 14 as well, you can read there, uh, but in Psalm 119 that we need to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against thee. So you better please be hiding a lot of it in your heart. Because soon and very soon, if we're not careful, this thing that we're doing right now may be taken away. We better, we better pay attention. And you say, oh, oh, those are threats. No, they're not threats. That's reality. Take a look around. I've been around since the 60s. <laughs> I know. 60s, those were good days, weren't they? No, they were horrific. The 70s got worse. The 80s got really bad because ladies decided that they needed big hair. The 80s, right? 
They had big hair and belts. I remember a lot of belts in the 80s. You're laughing, but some of y'all still got them in your closet. <laughs> Men, you've gone through fat ties, skinny ties, back to fat ties, back to skinny ties, no ties. I mean, it's crazy, the trends that we see. But God is still on his throne. Whether you've ever taken time to biblically consider whether judges in a land or a nation's position on Israel is important to God, I want to encourage you to get into God's Word because it is vitally important to Him. I don't care if it's important to me. I really don't care if it's important to my wife or me. It's important to God. So I better take note of what's important to God. See, a lot of times we hear what God's Word has to say, and this is what we do. We're like, eh, that's, for, that's all right. That's for you, man. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to stand out here, and I'm going to operate as an island all to myself. No, you're not. You don't go anywhere where God doesn't see you. You can't run. You can't hide, Jonah. God will find you. And you know what he does to us sometimes when we run? He puts us in the mouth of a great fish. And he says, oh, you want to play by yourself? He says, have fun in the belly of a fish until he shows us mercy and he spits us up on the beach. Oh, my friends, we better wake up. For the sake of this message, not only are judges in Israel important, but like I mentioned earlier, life and uh, and faith and marriage and property are important to God as well. Turn with me, and this uh, will be the last place that I ask you to turn to, Exodus chapter 20. And I really don't have time to do all that I want in this passage, so I'm just going to read and make a few comments and then uh, pray that the Spirit of the Lord will speak to each and every heart. Look with me in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse number 1. And the Bible says, And God spake all these words, all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy, oh, thank you, Lord, for your mercy, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Hello. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it shall thou not do any work, nor, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor any other thing that is thy neighbor's. Pretty clear what God is saying here. And I already hear the chirps. It's Old Testament. Why are you reading so many Old Testament passages? Just keep that thought for a second. 
You know, it's been said that without the Ten Commandments, we're a people, a culture, and a society without a moral compass. Without the Ten Commandments, we are a people, we are a culture, we are a society without a moral compass. We have no direction, in other words. In fact, it was said by the writer, philosopher, and lay theologian G.K. Chesterton, who once said this, he said, if a person comes to the edge of a cliff and keeps on walking, he will not break the law of gravity, he will prove it. <laughs> the Ten Commandments are just like that. If we break them, it's not that we are shunned rejected or cast out, if we break them, we become broken. Let that sit for a second. Hailed as the father of the Constitution and then fourth president of the United States, and if you can't do your count back all the way that fast, it was James Madison. Virginia boy. Virginia. Not Virginia, Virginia. He's a Virginia boy. Notice what James Madison says. He says, we have stacked the whole future of American civilization not upon the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of all our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to what? But we're told today that some of these jokers hated God. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't want to live according to God's word. They were just all bad people. Listen, everyone in this room is bad. You're like, oh, that's offensive. I'm the worst. You know what Paul said? He was the worst of sinners. He was, he was the worst, but he was so thankful for God's love and his mercy. You see, God gave these commandments or instructions to Israel not to destroy life, but to preserve it. And they're still used today. They were given to comfort, not to enslave. They were and they still are a sign that God cares deeply about what's right and about what's wrong. And these commandments are so practical. And you say, oh, they're antiquated. No, they're not antiquated. And I'm going to show you in about two seconds how they're not antiquated. They're so practical. But the sad thing is that most people don't even know them. Some of you just thought, man, I didn't even know that was in there. Most people don't know them. They don't promote them. And they certainly don't live by them. But I want you to look at verse 2 because it's incredibly important. You say, well, hold on. That's not even a commandment. Oh, well the Jewish nation of Israel would beg to differ with you. Because notice in verse 2, the very beginning, God says, I am the Lord thy God. For the Jewish nation of Israel, the commandments that we refer to as the Ten Commandments, by the way, they were not numbered, so you can flip them around and do whatever you want. The Ten Commandments, so to speak, would begin right there. Where he says, I am the Lord thy God. See, for them, if God was not supreme, then he's not supreme. The same is true today. If God is not, I, I mentioned this a little bit Wednesday night in a different context, but if God is not ruling and reigning in your life, there's a problem. See, a lot of people say, well, God's on his throne. He's ruling. Praise the Lord. I recognize that God's ruling. Is he reigning in your life? Is he reigning in your life when it comes to matters that are really important to God? 
By the way, I hope he's raining on your life, whether you have already voted or you're going to vote. You better make sure God's reigning in your life. You see, whatever or whoever we acknowledge as being supreme in our life actually impacts the choices we make. If God's not supreme in my life, it's going to dictate the choices I make. And I think we've all been there and done that. There was a time before Jesus came in that my choices were based on me, myself, and I. The problem is that when Jesus comes in, when we continue to make choices based on me, myself, and I. See, we have to be in His Word. We have to be on our knees. Oh, listen, look back at verse number 3. The verse number 3 in the text says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's exactly what God meant. He said, guess what? I'm not going to allow you to make some kind of golden calf. I'm not going to allow you to worship some kind of golden image. That's not who I am, and that's not who you need to be. He said, quit worshiping false idols. You know, we live in a country where we're worshiping a lot of false idols. And by the way, let me just say this, and I mean this as loving as I can. I love sports, but we better stop worshiping false idols. I love, I love seeing God's Word put to use in our country, but we better stop setting up politicians as idols. We better stop looking to Hollywood and thinking they're idols, because they're not. I could go on. I mean, Lord of mercy, there's so many idols in our life. What kind of people have we become? We better wake up because the real threat we face is that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And what we're doing is we're, we're like walking blind. We're like, we don't care. Pastor, we don't care. You better care. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. You better care because you're going to wake up and find that all your religious liberties have been taken. You better wake up and care, please. They are already being taken away telling us how we can worship. Do you know that in some states they're not even allowed to sing? They're telling them, you can't worship God. I got a message for that next week. I got a I do, I do, I'm just being honest. I got a message next week. They're telling them they can't worship. Really? Can't sing. Keep your mask on. You can't do this, you can't do that. We better be careful. Look at verse 13, kind of an interesting verse. And everybody's like, huh? Everybody's like, kind of an interesting verse. Hmm, thou shalt not kid. This is talking about shedding innocent blood. Let me ask you a question. Where are we shedding the most innocent blood in this country today? Now let me just say this. Every one of us have been affected by sin. The good news is that God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of what? All unrighteousness. So if you've been impacted, let me just say this. If you've been impacted by abortion, I want you to know that God loves you. God's forgiveness is real. God's mercy is great. Woo, praise the Lord. It's new every morning even whether I deserve it or not, right? But before I go on, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this. It says, to everything, in verse 1, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you. It says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. 
Verse number two tells us there's a time to be what? A time to be what? And a time to die. Verse number three says there's a time to what? Kill and a time to heal. Verse number eight ends up by saying there's a time to war and a time to peace. And I don't know about you, but I'm confused. I'm like, God, if it, there's a time to everything, there's a time to born, there's a time to die, there's a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to war and a time to peace. Which is it? It's all of the above because God makes everything beautiful in his time. You see, we operate many times in our time. God operates on his time. Let me illustrate the truth about killing. When David killed Goliath, when David killed Goliath, was that a problem to God? Some of you are like, oh, he's tricking us. He's got the fishing rod out. He's trying to trick us. When, God, when David goes to battle against Goliath, and he echoes those famous words, and he says, the battle is the... And Goliath falls. Was that a problem to God? No, because Goliath was defying the army of the living God over and over and over and over and over. And David runs in. He says, is there not a cause? He says, it's not my battle. The battle is the Lord's. But let me flip the script for you just a second. When David kills Uriah the Hittite, has him killed. Essentially, he's the one that signed his death warrant. Was that a problem to God? Why? It was a problem because David was trying to cover up his own what? One of the real threats we face is when we allow our personal thoughts and our personal emotions to get in the way and overrule the authority of God's word. And what ends up happening is it becomes a reflection of our worldview. When I start operating based on my emotions and my thoughts or my feelings, and I'm not operating based on the scriptures, it has become my worldview. Notice I didn't say biblical worldview, it's become my worldview. We must be careful. Let me keep moving on. Verse 12 says, God says, Honor thy father and thy mother. Young people, pay attention. Honor thy father and thy mother. Verse 14 goes on and it tells us not to commit adultery. Both of these verses are speaking directly about marriage and about the family unit. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible, we go back to Genesis 2, the Bible says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a help meet. And we know the rest of the story. God causes Adam to sleep. He takes one of the ribs. He makes a woman and he brings her unto man. And you remember Adam says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. But if you go to verse 24 of that passage, the Bible says these words. It concludes by saying, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Folks, this is speaking about intimacy between a husband and a wife. One flesh, come together, a new family. God not only created man in the garden, He created family. Family and marriage is extremely important to God. We better wake up. But I have relatives, Pastor. And so do I. And it doesn't change God's word one bit. I want to be sensitive. Listen, you don't have to be a hate monger to stand up for biblical truth. 
you can still actually go and love people with the truth of the gospel. You don't have to come out of the gate with an angry or vicious tone or hateful, hatefully thought speech. You can actually go to someone and say, man, I'm praying for you. Can I, can I pray with you? Can I do this with you? You can find opportunities to interject the love of Christ into somebody else's life. We all have family. We all have friends. And guess what? This idea of sexuality and marriage and gender and all these things, we've all been affected probably. But it doesn't change what God's Word has to say. That's all I'm saying. Verse 15, look, and we got to wrap it up. Verse 15, the Bible says, Thou shalt not steal. Remember I said God's concerned about your property. He says, Thou shalt not steal. Look at verse 17. He says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. You better get your eyes off my wife. That isn't bravado. That's biblical. Nor is manservant or maidservant or his ox or his ass nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Listen, these are just a few biblical principles. We don't even have time to really scratch the surface, but I want to put it out there so that maybe you do. Maybe you can take it in your private time and you can get into God's Word and see what God has to say. I know, like I said earlier, when anything is really heavily put from the Old Testament, people are like, well... Pastor, that's all nice, but we're not, in, we're not under the law anymore. I praise the Lord that I'm not under the law. And I, to be honest with you, I haven't cracked the Old Testament in a long time. Shame on you. You err not knowing the Scripture, Pastor Skinner used to say. You err not knowing the Scripture. If you haven't been in the Old Testament in a while, Scripture confirms Scripture. Oh, one is not to be undone for the other. People saying that stuff doesn't apply. I would beg to differ because if you're a believer today and you've put on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you put on the new man which is created in holiness, right? If you have Christ reigning inside of your heart and your life, you are now under a new law. And that law is summed up in Galatians. In Galatians 3, it tells us we're under the new law. In Galatians 5.14, it reminds us that that new law is a one word. It's called love. See, if I truly love God the way that I should, then everything He says should be important to me. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, wasn't it Jesus? Because it's all about Jesus, by the way. Wasn't it Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 22, in verse 37 and following, He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. He says, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Listen, this is not a contradictory message, but one that is truly complementary to what we just read in the Old Testament. It's not contradictory to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and to love your neighbor as unto yourself, and then also connect that with the Ten Commandments. It's not a contradiction. It's actually very complementary. Sadly, many have been brainwashed into thinking that somehow it's okay to disregard God's Word while adhering to the concepts of the world, the flesh, and the devil, as 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 tells us. Oh, we must be very careful. It must not be so because the Bible says righteousness in our starting verse said, righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I don't know if the guys have it, but I 
thought I'd give one slide for note takers. <laughs> Some of you probably want to forget this message. I thought I'd give a slide for note takers. The real threat we face is twofold, but it's quite simple. There it is. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The real threat we face in the good old United States of America today, the real threat we face in Northern Virginia, the real threat we face in Warrington, Virginia, in Bealton, in Remington, in Noakesville, in Haymarket, in Gainesville, in Manassas, uh, Noakesville, yeah, a lot over in Noakesville. Uh, the real threat we face, <laughs> Glenn, you know Glenn, you know I'm speaking the truth, is a lack of righteousness. But you know what else is a real threat? Plenty of sin. Lack of righteousness, but plenty of sin. Oh, my friends, Exodus 20 and verse number 2, the Lord said, I am the Lord thy God. And in verse 3, He said, Thou shalt have no other gods. Where? Have you put something before God? Are you consumed with what the pundits are saying? Are you consumed with the polls? Are you consumed with public opinion? Are you walking in fear because you, you really don't want to stand up for this or for that? I don't want you to stand up for this or that either. I want you to stand up for God. Actually stand up for God. And you don't have to be hateful when you do it. You can stand up for God and say, listen, this is what I believe. Right? I believe the book. I, I have a relationship with the living God. He tells me that I have a crown. I have an inheritance that's coming one day. It's incorruptible. And listen, this is, this is what I believe with every fiber of my being. And that doesn't mean I hate you. That doesn't mean I hate you or you or you or you. It just means that I love God. And I want to see God's Word lived out in my life. And I really want to see God's Word be put back to where it really belongs in this country. That's not about a party. That's not about a person. And to be honest with you, it's not about politics. It's about God's Word and what we do with it. Do you know Him? Are you here this morning? Are you watching? Do you know God? Because you can through His Son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He was born of a virgin, right? Lived 33 plus years, never committed a sin. Went to an old rugged cross for your sins, for my sins, the sins of the world. Heaped upon himself sin, became sin for you and for me. If you, don't need, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, you know, it's real simple. You just call out upon the name of the Lord and ask him to forgive you. If you ask him to come into your life and to change you from the inside out, he'll do that. But if you are here today and you do know the Lord, man, I beg you. The real threat we face is a lack of righteousness and a lot of sinfulness. Oh, my friends, please, please get into God's Word. It's not just about an election in a few weeks. It's about living life every day, 365 days a year. As God gives us breath, we ought to be living in such a way that brings Him honor and glory. And I know, I know that that's your desire. Really, I do. It may be difficult, but God's never called us to do anything that he wouldn't supply the power to do it. And so I pray that you will put him first as we head into another chaotic season over the next few weeks.
Father, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your goodness. And God, it's in days like this that we need to rely on You and Your strength and Your wisdom. God, Your Word tells us that if we lack wisdom, that all we need to do is ask of You and that You will give it to us. Lord, I pray that You will give us and grant us wisdom according to Thy Holy Word. Lord, I pray that we would wake up. That we would wake up and see that Your ways, that Your thoughts are best. Lord, I do pray for this country. I pray that we would see a revival like never before. God, I pray, pray that before it's too late that people would turn back and that they would look to You once again. Lord, I pray for those that might have never trusted Christ today. I pray that today would be the day that they would trust in the risen Savior of the world for the forgiveness of sin. I pray that today would be that day that they enter into the greatest relationship of all. It's not about religion, but a relationship with You. God, I pray that that would happen today in the life, in the heart of those that are watching, anyone that is here that may not know Christ. Lord, I pray that You have Your will and Your way during this song of invitation. God, as we open up the altars, they're open for people who just want to pray, people who want to praise You, people who want to pray for loved ones, people who want to pray for our country, people who want to recommit themselves to living biblical values. God, we, we open up the altar. It's Your altar. And so, Lord, we open it up so that people can do business with You while You're near. Lord, we love You and we thank You and praise You for what You'll do in our lives. And in the coming days, help us to bring you the glory that you deserve. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.